God has done so, so much. And we, I don't know about anybody else. I just know that I am wanting to be aware of all that God's done. And, and that's not possible in this life. But God has been so good to us. God has been so good to us when we didn't know him and when we didn't love him. He loved us. My gosh. God is so good. God is so good. Well, it's good to see your faces. You can turn and greet people. But listen, before you turn and greet anybody, please, I'm asking you to be considerate of everybody else. Don't, don't assume that they're going to want you to hug them or shake their hand. You can wave to them. You can ask them if you, you want to hug or if you want to shake hands. But please, be respectful of everybody else. Amen? Amen. So go ahead. Well, we've gotten back to the place where I got to corral you again, so. <clears throat> Judy, thank you. Thank you for sharing what you've shared this morning. I don't know why it just hit me, and, and I guess it was a combination of the, the songs. And by the way, I'm sure all of you know that the reason why this one is not up here, Shelby's not up here, because they are enjoying the gift of a new son who is a great blessing, and Gabe is taking some time, and that's a great blessing for him to be able to be with his family too. Um, as we sang, part of what started to really just overwhelm me this morning is the fact that Jesus is coming back. And it's something to be excited about. He's coming back in his glory, but he's coming back for a church. And how is the church supposed to be? Without spot or wrinkle. That means there's change that has to happen in all of our lives. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to make some adjustments. Without spot or wrinkle, without the contamination and the pressure that the world's put on us to conform to the world, we're supposed to be the Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. We, we're supposed to be ever moving towards being just like Jesus. And and I don't know about anybody else, but I realize that there is a lot that has to change in me. Living in this world is so easy to be conformed to the world. To get caught up in the things that the world's caught up with. To elevate things that are just of this earth. To major on minors. You know, even Jesus on the cross said about his enemies, those that had beaten him, had lied about him, Father, forgive them. If he says that, that's what we're to say. There's no one we should ever walk in unforgiveness towards. And I don't know about anybody else. I know how hard it is for me at times. And it's it's something that has to change in my life. It has to change in the church. 
we're supposed to be transformed to be more like Jesus. You know, he prayed. In John chapter 17, he prayed. He prayed for us that we would be one in him and one with one another so that the world would know. The, the purpose of our unity is to be first reunited with God. And that's what revival is. Revival is, is a more vital connection with God than ever before. And if I'm connected with God in a more living way, in a more life-giving way, then I am going to be less prone to living any way that's contrary to him. And if that's the case, then I'm going to value and esteem and, and care about others more than myself because Jesus didn't come for himself. He came for who? All of us, all of us. Not just us that are Christians. He came for those that, that are not Christians yet. And there's a real need for them to see him and know him. Not, not what, what we make him out to be, but what he really is. Because he's love. And uh, Jesus, Jesus indicated that, that that unity that we would have with the Father and with one another would be the very thing that caused the world to believe. And... Uh, We've been, we've been looking at and learning about unity, which revival requires unity, and unity requires something, and that's love. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul writes, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony, perfect unity. The only way anything is going to be perfect is because God's going to have his way in us and through us, which means there are a lot of things that need to be released from us. We need to, to let go of some things that have been part of our lives and, and embrace things that God has for us to, to embrace. And so right here he's talking about we need to clothe ourselves. It's something we do. I, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. We can't do it for anyone else. It's a choice that we make. Just like the, the clothes you chose today, I didn't help you. Maybe somebody did, but you still had the final say. And, and these things that we put on, this outfit of love is made up of a variety of, of characteristics. And today we're going to look at those characteristics and see. And we need... Each of us today has to take some time and really not just listen to what's being said, but really allow Holy Spirit, and he's the only one that can do it, to search us and show us if any of these things are not operating in us the way God would have, and then make the adjustment that God has for us to make, because without it, we're not going to, to see what God intends, but with it, it's going to be better than we could imagine or dream. Amen? Before we go any further, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace and your generosity. God, without any of that, we would be lost. But you always offer that. Whether we feel worthy or not, it's not based on us. It's based on your choice to love us at all times through all things. And Father, you've said freely we receive, freely we give. Father, help me, help us today recognize the generosity, the abundance of love, abundance of forgiveness, abundance of kindness that you've shown us and help us 
offer that to all those around us, those that are, are your children and those that are coming to be your children. Father, I know you have something for each one of us today. I pray that I would hear what you have for me to hear, that each person that is present would hear what you have for them to hear because your words to us are life and health. We thank you for healings today. Your word is a light unto our path. We thank you for illumination and revelation that will work in transforming our lives as we apply it to our lives. Thank you for your word that's truth that brings freedom and liberty from the things that have had us bound and, and hindered from walking in the light as you are the light. Father, I thank you for the privilege and honor to be able to speak your word to your bride, the body of Christ. Father, help me today to do what you have for me to do and how you have for me to do it. Our eyes are on you, our hope is in you, our trust is in you, knowing that with you all things are possible and that you are working in us to will and to do your good pleasure. And we thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So right here we see real, real quickly that he says, clothe yourself with love. Love's the outfit, but there are components to our outfit. Just like we got clothes today, there are parts to what we wore. And we made the choice. But he says, above all, above all. And so he's referring back to, to uh the preceding verses, and we've looked at this before, but we're going to look at it again because we're going through the characteristics and the components of what we clothe ourselves with, how love, how love looks, how it's expressed and experienced um, in our lives, and, and other people experience it in their lives through our lives. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. It says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone of you has a grievance against anyone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now we see right here that you're chosen. You're a people that God has chosen. God has chosen all, but not all will choose God. And chosen and holy and dearly loved. And then it says we clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. We looked at this last week. Compassion is, is a, an awareness, a care and consideration about other people. Kindness, the definition of that is usefulness or to be able to be helpful. But when we're compassionate, we're aware of what other people are going through. So many people today are so tunnel vision, so narrowly focused on their own lives. This is what's going on in my life, that they don't broaden their concern about other people. And, and we as God's people, we're here to care about other people on God's behalf. They're not going to know God's care until we care for them. And so we, we looked at that, but the next, next characteristic is humility. And in verse 12, we're just going to kind of hone in on this. As God's chosen people, holy in love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, and humility. Humility. There are four Greek words in the New Testament that, that are translated humility. And, and basically the idea of humility is being of low estate. And humility is not something that we see in our society. Do we? Humility is, is a characteristic that is not valued by our society. But in the Bible, people that were humble were absolutely impacting. Moses, the Bible says he was the most humble of all the people on the face of the earth, and God used him to, to lead his people. Another person that we see a massive transformation in humility is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul at one point says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. In that mindset 
of feeling elevated and exclusive and elite. What did Paul do? What was Paul doing when, when he was thinking in that, that fashion? Yeah, he was persecuting the church. He was putting people in jail. He was beating people. He was helping to kill people that were Christians. Thought he was doing the right thing. And I have to tell you, when, when we have that elevated, elite mentality that we know more than somebody else, that we're better than somebody else, that pride and that arrogance tends to take us that direction where what we end up doing may seem right in our eyes, but it's not at all what God has intended. And unfortunately today, so many people are falling prey to this. Judging, condemning, and even Christians. You know, we look at other people and we, we think, well, they don't know anything. They may not. But all of us together compared to God know nothing. Who are we to ever look down on anyone? Who are we to judge anyone? A person who is humble doesn't consider themselves more important or special or better than anyone else. These are, these are things that I've read and studied and gotten from uh, different places online. They see the value and worth in all people. Their focus is outward towards others instead of inward towards self. Someone said humility is not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. You know, we need to put ourselves aside. But we've never, never in the world without God, we've never been able to do that because if I don't care about me, who will? But we're not alone. I don't have to take care of me. I don't have to care about me. I'm talking about making me my focus. If I make God my focus, God will turn me outward to be focused on other people. And hasn't God said, as you sow, you'll reap? It's more blessed to give than receive. So the moment I turn outward in my focus, not caring about myself, but knowing God cares for me, and now I'm going to care about God and care for the people that God loves, every time I care about somebody else, God's going to multiply that back to me. God's going to multiply that back to you. So we never have to be concerned about lack or not having enough. It's when we start to hold on to things and try and keep them close to us. The Bible says whatever you hold on to, you'll lose, but whatever you release, you'll gain. And so it's very, very different from what the world says. And we've been living in the world and we don't realize the effect. I say we. I just include you because it's true of me. I don't realize the effect the world's had on me. How easy it is to slip back into those patterns and those ways of thinking and acting. And, and I think it really is true for all of us. Humble people treat others with the same respect that they would like to be treated with. They're willing to give up. Give up their own privileges and rights to serve and care for others who have less. Isn't that what Jesus did? What did Jesus give up to come to, to earth? <laughs> yeah, we don't even have the ability to comprehend what he gave up. But he willingly did it because he loved. And that love showed up in him humbling himself to come in the form of a human being and live in a fallen world. Wow. When, when, I, when I think about that, it just 
causes me to be so thankful to God that he would love and care so much to do that. Humble people are not prideful or arrogant. They don't have a superiority about them. They don't devalue, look down on, dismiss, or ignore another person regardless of their differences or state of life. In the fourth century, St. Augustine said, should you ask me what is the first thing, I should reply the first, second, third, and all is humility. Andrew Murray, who uh, was a, a man of God from South Africa, prolific writer, said, I stand amazed at how little humility is sought after as a distinguishing feature of the disciples of Jesus. Let us go to Jesus and hide ourselves in him until we are clothed with humility. Humility is the very essence of holiness. It's the displacement, listen, it's the displacement of self by the enthronement of God where God is all. The great revivals, when, when we talk about revivals, the great revivals were always initiated by humble people. God used humble people, and one of them, uh, the Azusa Street Revival, began in 1906 when a pastor from Houston, an African-American pastor from Houston, was invited to L.A. to preach. His name was William Seymour, and he was considered one of the most humble servants of God. He got to L.A., he began to preach, and one of the things that happened in his humility, he didn't want notoriety. He didn't want everybody talking about the miracles and, and the various things that went on. He said, when you leave here, talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Before the, the, the service would start, and the services, these meetings went on for seven years. Hundreds of thousands of people were touched. And this man, William Seymour, before he would stand to address whoever showed up, and, and the crowds grew and grew and grew, and they eventually had to go to the Azusa Street location. And it was very different than a lot of situations that occurred before because in the, in the people that were meeting, there were rich and poor. There were black and white. There, there wasn't the division that was so often seen when churches meet, and it's still the case today. You know, one of the things that, that church should be, it should be like heaven. There shouldn't be black churches and white churches and, and Asian churches and and. Hispanic churches. I understand why, because we want to go into a place where we see somebody like us. There's a natural uh, attraction that way. But we need variety. God made variety. We need a variety of people. And I'm telling you right now, for years and years and years, I've prayed. And, and the elders have believed God for a variety of people. that anybody could walk through those doors and see somebody like them. And we're not just talking about skin color or race. We're, we're talking about people that can see somebody who has gone through a situation they've gone through and are out the other side and God has brought them there. You know, I've shared this before and it's, it's, it's burning in my heart. that there would be people that nobody else would want that would come here. And they'd be loved and valued and cared for. And that may make some people uncomfortable. But we're either going to grow or we're going to go. But Pastor Seymour, before he would preach, he so wanted to hear from God and he so didn't want 
the focus to be on him. He stood behind a pulpit. He actually sat behind a pulpit that was made out of boxes. And he would either put his head next to the boxes or in the boxes. Just because he wanted God and nothing else. He didn't want people to, to look at him and to make a fuss over him. And His humility impacted so many people. And Jesus teaches about how vital humility is for us to be able to even enter the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 through 4, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know that nobody comes in to the kingdom of heaven, comes to Christ unless they're humble enough to realize they need something beyond themselves? It's the beginning of our walk with God. And throughout our lives, the longer we walk with God, the more humble we become because the more aware we are of our inability and his ability, of our lack and of his abundance. And that's what happened with the Apostle Paul when we see his transformation. When he said, I am the Hebrew of Hebrew, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and then he went on to say, I am the least of the apostles. And eventually says, I'm the chief of all sinners. He was very aware of God's abundance and his lack that caused him to be more dependent, more expectant of what God can do than him doing it in himself. And realizing if that was the case with him, he couldn't look down on anybody else. When it says as a little child, come as a little child, John the Baptist, when it was prophesied to his father, Zechariah, of who he would be, it says in Luke chapter 1 that he would come in the power of Elijah and the spirit of Elijah, and he would turn the hearts of the fathers, and most translations say to the children, but that's not accurate. When you look in the original translation, and I don't, I don't study Greek, but I can read people who have studied Greek, and, and many of the scholars have seen the discrepancy of how it's been interpreted and said it's not accurate from the standpoint that it's not turning the heart of the fathers to the children. It's turning the heart of the fathers to children, causing people that that have accomplished, have attained to become childlike, humble. And John was that way. When John was, was doing what he was doing and, and crowds of people would come out, John said, I must decrease and he must increase. When a, a famous conductor was asked, what's the most difficult chair to fill in the orchestra? He said, second fiddle. And then he went on to say, second anything. Second horn, second cello, second anything. For somebody to play with as much Desire in the second seat is very hard to find. You know, we, we, I've shared with you in times past of how the Bible said there were certain people that loved to have the preeminence. They loved to be seen. They loved to be heard. They loved to be listened to. And the Bible says there's only one that's supposed to have the preeminence, and that's Jesus if we'll allow 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords to have preeminence in our lives. And he was humble. He'll bring that humility to us. And it is, it is so important. Jesus taught about the importance of humility in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. The, the first insert in, in the Beatitudes, the first thing he addressed in verse 3, it says this. Blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven both now and forever. Another translation says, the humble, the humble. He starts out that way because just like we, we've discussed already, nobody's coming to the kingdom unless we're humble enough to realize we need something we don't have. And God has what we need, and that's the beginning. It's the very beginning of us in a lifetime here recognizing everything we need is in God. We don't have it in ourselves, but God will provide it for us. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then it goes on to say in verse 5 in the ERV, it says, great blessings belong to those who are humble. They will be given the land God promised, or they'll inherit the earth, all that God has for them. That's a clear indication that humility is the way that, that God's able to bring what he's planned into our lives. And if he brings it into our lives, he can bring it through our lives to those around us. But it's only through humility. Without humility, this is not possible. Because when I'm not humble, when we're not humble, we're, we're, we're thinking we've got it all together. We've got what we need. We know what we need to know. And God will not force anything on anyone. There's a portion of scripture, and it's not going to be up on your on the screens. But the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Who makes you different from another? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, why do you boast? When, when we continue to walk with God, we realize every good and perfect gift does come from God. We can, but we have no right. There's no real justification for us to boast about anything in ourselves. The Bible says if we make our boast, make it in God. And that's where Again, the, the, the influence of the world continues to affect us at times when we think we, we're better or smarter or more accomplished. Even if we do accomplish something, who gave us the breath? Who gave us the opportunity? Who gave us the gifts? Yeah, God. And that's why there's an ignorance that we have before we come to Christ that we've accomplished all, we, all these things. But no matter what we've accomplished, when all is said and done, all the glory belongs to God. And that's where we can, can glory in him and let other people see who it is that has done these great things because when we do that, others will be drawn to him, but they'll also have hope that he can do great things in them. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6, this is 
really important because it, it gives us some understanding of why humility is so important. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So we clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. We, we value one another. We, we care about one another. We esteem others more highly than ourselves. When you're around somebody that, that you esteem highly, that you value highly, are you looking... Are we looking for them to do something for us or are we wanting to do something for them? Yeah, we're wanting to do something for them. And if we will live that way, just the way Jesus lived, Jesus lived not coming to get something from us, but get something to us. That was his whole life. To fulfill the Father's will and to seek and save the lost. And as we embody what Jesus embodied here, where we're here to do the will of the Father, we're here to serve God, but as we serve God, we're going to serve one another. We're going to care about one another. We're going we're to give up our rights and privileges to be able to care for those that, that are not where God wants them to be and what God has for them to have. Because what God does is when we humble ourselves, he gives grace to us. You know, this says God opposes the proud but shows favor. That, that really is the word grace to the humble. And, and what is grace? What, what does grace do? It enables, yeah. How were we saved? By grace. Because we were humble enough to receive it. But that grace continues to work in our lives as we're humble enough to receive it and recognize without God we can do what? Nothing. And as that grace comes, it empowers us, it enables us. We receive gifts because of the grace of God. There's, there's no limit to what we receive that the grace of God gives when we're humble enough to make an opening for God and let him do what he wants to do. And as we humble ourselves, you know, a lot of times when I was working in, in, in a secular job, I was very aware that I had to try and present myself in the right way make sure I got credit for what I had done because if not, I'd be overlooked and I'd be passed over for promotions and things like that because I didn't know what the Word of God said. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. You know, you may be being passed over, but if you're doing what you're doing as unto the Lord and not so that you get noticed and promoted, but you're, you're serving God and if it never changes, you'll still serve God joyfully hello because that self gets in there but i god look at what i did i remember complaining to god about that oh i do one of the things that that happened i was the job i worked in we were starting to do something that has never been done before not in this country we were working on live steam wells, over 550 degree live steam coming out of the, the ground. And we had to wear these suits and, and things that were just crazy. But what we were doing was we were trying to develop an alternative energy source where we could tap into the very power that's in the earth where the superheated zone, the magma, things like that, would be able to heat water 
and we would dr drill five wells in the pattern of a, a like a on a dice, the five spot where there are four peripheral wells and one central well. We would inject water down the central well. It would hit the this magma. It would flash the steam and produce steam up the four peripheral wells, which would go to generators that would generate electricity. But you don't hear anything about it. The oil industry didn't want it. And there were a lot of things that we did on these wells that nobody ever heard of. And at times it would get very frustrating. There are things that we would do that would be breakthroughs and, and other people would take credit for it. And in a fleshy way, it would make us, our crew, irate, upset, look at somebody else in a bad light because they had taken credit for something that they didn't completely do. But I have to tell you something, and that is that God was training me, God was testing me to d help me decide who I was going to look to for approval, for acknowledgement, for anything else. And, and I remember sitting on a well not on a well, but at a well. Right. That's a picture, isn't it? <laughs> Sitting there and, and being aware of God questioning, why are you doing this? And I knew I was doing it because it was the job God gave me. And I don't have time to go into that, but out of thousands of people, I was one of 25 that got a job like this. And he helped me understand if, if I gave you this, you're doing it for me, not for anybody else. And I will do for you what I have for you and no one can stop it. And what God was doing was not for that time, not for that job. It was for, for later in my life, for now. That I would, I would die to myself, die to the ways that I had learned in the world. And I'm still dying. <laughs> and, and I think we all understand that because it happens to us every day. But just like, just like John, John who was Jesus called the greatest of all the prophets, John said, I have to decrease, that he would increase. Folks, when we decrease, it feels like dying. When we become humble, it feels like, what's happening to me? But here's what's happening. God's stripping off us so people can see Jesus. And that's what they have to see. More than ever before, people are looking for answers, for love, for acceptance. And that's what God has for them. God loves and accepts all. He doesn't affirm their sin he doesn't support sin because he knows what sin does, but he loves all. And he will receive any and everyone coming to him in the process that he has for us to come to him so that we can continue to progress in him, that we would decrease, that he would increase. Amen. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, unity requires... or. Revival requires unity. Unity requires love. Love requires us to be compassionate and kind and humble.
When those things occur, people are turned to God. We're living in a time where there's not a lot of humility. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of arrogance. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of condemnation. There's a lot of rejection. And we cannot afford to embrace that in our lives. We cannot afford to pattern ourselves in the ways of the world. The weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't fight fights the way the, the world fights fights. The church should not be in any way similar to the world. We should be so different in the way we go about things. And we know, we know humility is so important because the Bible tells us in the book of First Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Father, I pray right now for, for real godly humility to be embraced in our lives. Father, it's so different than anything we've seen or learned in the world. But it's everything that your kingdom is about. Love is humble. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for not only revealing it, but imprinting our life with it, impacting us with it, that the moment we begin to get upset because of some, what someone did to us. Father, we will, as Jesus humbly did on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. When we feel wronged or slighted, that Father, we will not rise up in arrogance and pride, but we will bow before you and yield to you in humility, knowing that with you all things Lord, you said that you're at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, help us to recognize by, by the Spirit of God that convicts us. Help us to put off the old man and put on the new man that's renewed in righteousness and true hope. Father, I don't know how to do this, but you do. Our eyes are on you. Our, our hope is in you. Our expectation is in you. Father, as the world rises up around us to be heard, to be seen, help us to Humble ourselves so that you would be heard and you would be seen. Father, I thank you for the people that you've brought here. I thank you for the people that you're bringing here. And I ask you to help us. Help us to put on love, to be clothed with love compassion, kindness, humility, that whoever, whoever, in whatever state of life, circumstance or situation would come, that, Father, we would see them as you see them. We would love them as you love them. We would care for them as you have cared for us. We would forgive them our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, freely and fully as you've forgiven us. Father, help us. We know you will. Guide us. Govern us. Grow us in your ways that are so different from what we've known. We thank you, Father. 
We thank you that you never give up. You never turn away. You never leave us alone. But you're working all things out for us because we love you and we're called according to your purpose. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, would you stand? Um, if you would take your communion cups, there are some waste baskets on the way out. We're exiting only through the main, main uh, uh, foyer. Please leave your yellow markers if you took one. And tomorrow, tomorrow take the time. I know it's a day off for most people, and usually we're pretty focused on what we want to do, but take the time to just give thanks for those who gave so much to, to maintain our freedom and pray. Pray for the families of those that gave it all in their time of loss and, and that the comfort of God would truly comfort them. Father, I thank you for each one of your children here today. I thank you for your presence with them, your plan for them that's good, your power that is unequaled and unending, your provision that's overflowing. That, Father, as we walk through each day, no matter what we encounter, we know that you have made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. That you have blessed us coming in and going out. And that you would bless us in what we set our hands to as we walk in you and live in you and have our being in you and we thank you father for this in jesus name and everyone said have a great week